Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by my dude Tony and my dude Kinsler making his sweet, sweet return. We have a special guest tonight, too, but I'm going to let Tony tell you about him. But before we do that, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. And if you're listening to this, crack them with us and follow us on Twitter at ontapsportsnet and at Socks on Tap. Tony. Introduce tonight's guest, my friend. Hmm. Let me finish the the sip of beer I just took there first. Um, before I introduce the guest, though, guys, I want to introduce Andrew Kinsler, who uh, some people may or may not know, um, who are uh, listening to the show. Andrew was with us um, most of the 2019 season. He's been uh, a little bit on hiatus. He started a big boy job, so he's back and he's uh, here to talk White Sox with us. If you uh, go look at our uh, our Twitter header, uh, you can see a, a fine picture of Andrew. Andrew's one of my favorite people to take in a White Sox game with. I want Andrew to say some words before we, we introduce this guest because, man, it's been a long time since we've gotten to talk White Sox baseball, baseball with Andrew Kinsler. So, Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, and uh, I do appreciate that great introduction, and I will say that the same sentiment is shared with both of you guys. Uh, I know that... Um, it's been said a lot by all of you, but I'm just ready to be back at the ballpark. I'm ready to be back in Lot B. I'm really ready to be back in Section 149, Section 108 uh, with all of you guys with our with, and with everyone else from the ONTAP Sportsnet crew and just all of the friends that we've made from White Sox Twitter over the years. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is great to be back talking with you guys, and I'm just pumped for this season, um, you know, a lot has happened this off season and you know there's a lot a lot to be thankful for that has happened but um you know i'm excited for all that is ahead as well um not only this season but in the future seasons as well i think at this moment we are set up for some good success and um i'm ready to be on this i'm i'm really ready to be on this ride with you guys long term it's it's just awesome well, we're glad to have you back, Andrew, and uh, you and I got to do a bunch of post-game shows last year for mainly White Sox losses. I'm hoping that you and I get yeah. to do some uh, some for White Sox winners this year. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's just really good to have you back. Oh, absolutely, and it's, it, it is great to be back. I do think uh, one of the first weekends I was really on these, um, I was on, on these Sox on Taps for an extended period of time, was that memorial day weekend where we got absolutely shellacked by the twins um that for some reason sticks out but we also did have some fun ones you know we did um i think we did the eloy game against the cubs and um that's the main one that sticks out that was really fun but obviously quite a few winners and you know always great talking things out with you yeah absolutely uh buzz you mentioned a guest that we have coming on today and uh we've this is i think our second guest that we've had on this offseason who knows a shit ton about baseball in general this is a national guy this is justin havens if you don't follow him he's at j hey kid j a y h a y kid um and he is with starting nine from barstool i believe he's the producer over there we'll get a um an official title from him when he hops on here but we're going to talk white Sox perspective from a national level here not just what we see as south siders who are you know day in, day out on this team. What's the national perspective of what the White Sox did this offseason? How are they going to look? This is going to be an excellent guest. Guys, what are, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm definitely stoked to have him on. You know, I'm definitely, you know, interested to see what he thinks the White Sox are going to do. I mean, there's been a lot of optimism around the White Sox, not just here in Chicago, but nationally as well. So it would be nice to pull someone in to actually have words with them and talk about it. So I'm, I'm down to do this. I'm down to crack a beer, down to talk White Sox baseball. Yeah, I would definitely say the same thing. Um, I love all of the work that he's done with Barstool. Um, I think that that like starting nine podcast is great. I think that they do a great job over there. Um, and as you said, he does know a lot about baseball, so it'll just kind of be excited to pick his brain and you know see what he thinks from a national level. As you said there, Tony. Um, obviously, we feel great about things here, and you know there's a lot of excitement there. But um, you know it is nice to have some opinions outside of our bubble and, you know, a more objective point of view. So I think it'll be great. Absolutely. We're going to get that and we're going to go to Justin right now. 
All right, everybody, we'd like to welcome our special guest, Justin Havens, from the Starting Nine podcast. Justin, we're going to talk about some uh, White Sox baseball, man. But before we do that, what kind of beer are you drinking? We like to crack them on this show, and I yep. just want to make sure you're cracking them with us, my friend, because that's uh, it's cool and tough. It's cool and tough to drink beer and talk about baseball. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Here's what I can do. I'm on. Is a Bloody Mary an acceptable answer? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because that's kind of the train that I'm on today. Uh, I had a, uh, it was a candied bacon bloodied Mary. I had two of those uh, not oh. too long ago. So that was a, a great way to not really start because it was the middle of the afternoon. But that was, a great <laughs> way to, that was a great way to continue on with Saturday. All right. Fantastic. I ran out of Miller Lite myself and now I've, br- I've broken into the Budweiser's that I bought Tony. And uh yeah, Buzz is getting buzz buzzed up here, but let's get into these hey, questions. Hey, that's a real beer there, Buzz. That's a real yeah, beer. Put, I'm putting hair on my chest right now, man. I told you I already had too much of it. The beer puts hair on my chest. It looked like a fucking Sasquatch. And, uh, all right, let's get into this, man. Um, White Sox projections for the season. Justin, you were the guest. We want our guest to go first. What do you think the White Sox projections are for this season? I think I have them as like a, uh, a mid to upper 80s win team uh which i think is uh certainly in the mix uh, to win the al central uh i think that like on paper i think they're probably the probably the second best team um i think it's close with them and the indians right now uh obviously the longer the indians go without doing really anything other than signing cesar hernandez um i think the worse it looks for them but i i think they are a clear step behind the twins both because of I think the Twins roster is a little bit stronger currently. Uh, I think it has fewer holes across the board. Uh, and I, I feel like there's been some sort of sentiment this offseason where people tend to underestimate what it takes to close the sort of gap that the White Sox are trying to close with regards to the standings and the Twins. Like, I, I, what was the gap between their, uh, their – it was like 25 games separated them last year. So this is a significant – even with as aggressive as the White Sox have been, I think they're a cut behind. But to me, there's no reason why they can't compete uh, on paper to start the year for the AL wild card. Uh, one of those two slots. Like to me, they have you know the Athletics, the Angels, the Red Sox, um, the Rays. Like that sort of Indians, that collection of teams includes the White Sox for me. Um, and I think they certainly have what it takes. That they have they have players with upside that remains untapped. Uh, that could certainly push them ahead uh, of the Indians definitively and perhaps even the Twins as well. 87 wins where I feel right now. Tony? 87. You know, that's that's kind of where I have the Sox too. I, I kind of agree with what Justin says, and I know we've talked all about the excitement on this show left and right for this team. Um, I, I'm sure we're going to do some sort of roundtable with Johnny and, and uh, the rest of the White Sox writers over at ONTAP. But I think 87 is a good number because that puts you in a clear-cut, you know, wild-card chase. I think right there, that's pretty healthy. There's there's a lot that could go right for this team, and I I don't think that 90 is is out of the question. But I I almost feel like what Justin just said there. I almost feel like that's it's almost too optimistic for this team. Um, there's still 29, so, there's 29 so, games. Yeah, yep, 29. I actually undershot. I undershot it. It was 29 games that yeah, separated twins. these two teams. There's and, so what, much. 300, 309 uh, in terms of runs in terms of run differential plus 185 minus 124. Like I get that the Twins were probably a little bit fortunate with the way that some of that went last year. They were remarkably healthy across the board, with the exception of Buxton, really. Um, so even if you regress them back to let's let's say people expect the twins to win 90 to 92 games this year. You're still talking about closing a gap of 20 games. And uh, to me, they've done a lot of that work. They just haven't done all of that work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I think 87 is kind of right there. I could also see, that's the thing. I could see him finishing anywhere between 80 to 90 games. That's a 10 game swing right there. There's a lot that has to go right. We're going to ask you a bunch of other questions, but I think I think that 87 number. If I'm being really optimistic, that's what I'm taking it. Uh, Andrew, I'll t- I'll t- toss it over to you. If we're just throwing out early projections for win totals, uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I think that these are all great points here. Um, I would probably put myself realistically between 83 to 85 wins, and that's you know being somewhat 
I guess, pessimistic with a few things that need to happen here. So that can change very quickly if a lot of the, you know, big expectations that we have on this team do actually fall into place. So if we, if it does turn out that a guy like Nick Madrigal can be a cornerstone at second base every day, if we see a season that Luis Robert has that, you know, was pretty similar to say maybe what Ronald Acuna was for the Braves um, when he first came up. So there's a lot of what ifs. And, you know, I would say that the list goes on with those, you know, a guy like Michael Kopech, what are you going to get out of him? Um, if What are you going to get out of a lot of the veteran additions here? Like, will you get some good quality innings out of a guy like Keuchel? What about like Gio Gonzalez? And can Edwin Encarnacion stay healthy? Um, a lot of what ifs. And if you're able to convert on, you know, maybe more than half of those, I think that the 83 to 85 win total that I mentioned isn't, I, I think that you can go a little bit above that, but I would be hesitant to go too much further because as as we were as a team last year, 72 wins, um, you know, it's hard to even make up five to 10 wins. But um, I think with what we did, we could be in a good position to, you know, exceed expectations, I would say. I see Buzz loading up a bush light in the holster, and that means Johnny Nani's with us here in spirit tonight. Uh, Buzz, uh, you're the only one left here. What, what, Early wind total projection. I have written down on my phone 85 to 88 wins. It was going to be somewhere in there. Um, that's what I had written down. Going to throw a hot take out there. They will hit 90 to 95 wins if they sign Yasiel Puig because he is cool and tough and his muscles are fucking huge. So that is where I'm at. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do really want to sign you, Seal Puig, though. You've wanted to sign tough. Puig since last. Like we're sitting yeah, in, we're sitting in fuck, fucking section 108, and you're like, I fucking love Yasiel Puig. I can't wait for him to be a White Sox. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, you, you just want that to happen. So I, I just well, want as, that to happen. As Johnny says, our, speak it into existence, Buzz. I'm trying, and I look at our boy Justin's Twitter header, and it's Yasiel Puig fighting everybody. I mean, that's, that's fucking awesome. Like, dude, I'm I'm ready to you know throw some bows and shit. I'm just, I'm all hyped up and stuff. Makes me want to crack them for God's sake. I don't know, but no, I, honestly, 85 to 88 wins, I think, is fair. Like Justin did say, I mean that that swing to try to catch the Twins and what they did last year. I mean, that's a. I mean, what did you say it was? It was 29 games, correct? Yeah, 29. Is what, is what you said? Yeah, yeah it was 29 games. That. The Sox made a lot of good moves, man, for 100%. They did, but going back to Andrew's point, there's a lot of what-ifs to go with that. I usually tend to side with the optimism, which is why I'm a depressed human being, you know, with the Bulls and the Bears and the Sox and pretty much want to drown myself in the bathtub, take a toaster bath, whatever. But I think that this year they get to eight. They, we see an improvement. I think that we're competitive for a wild card spot, and I think that you see some things come together. So I'm going to go 85 to 88 wins. That's where I'm happy at with big improvement and hopefully they surprise all of us and they you know they do something cool and tough but that's where i sit with everything so i'm just going to throw it back here we kind of talked about this a little bit was the off season enough and i'm going to put this to justin first from an outside perspective was this off season enough yes or no answer and give some reasoning behind it yes or no was this off season enough or did they miss out on what they should have done justin what what do you think was it enough to put them into the playoff picture uh, I think it was enough to put them into the playoff picture. I think it was not enough in the sense that I think we can all admit that they kind of telegraphed some targets that they didn't end up getting, right, that would have fit really, really well with what they wanted to do, Zach Wheeler being the most notable of those. Um, some people even speculated that they were interested in Strasburg. But I think if you look at it as a whole, it was a successful offseason. They are in the playoff picture. Um, I don't think they are a championship-caliber team in 2020. Perfect. I love it. But Andrew. that's not really the point. That's not the yeah, point, that's right? Tr- yeah, they're, I mean, bu- they're building. They're building towards that. I so would imagine. Here, here's a follow-up question to that, Justin. Uh, before we go to Andrew, um, as a White Sox fan, should you be happy with this, or should you demand more? No, I think it's a good follow-up to the frustration from last off-season. Um, I think they showed at least a willingness. Like you can, you, we can debate about how much of the Wheeler stuff was false hustle and like, oh, oh, we just came up short. Oh, but okay, whatever. But they spent money. Grandal was a real signing that really makes the team better. We can debate whether Jose Abreu was a good use of 51 or whatever million dollars it was. Um, but they invested in the team. Um, 
And I think if nothing else, whether you're whether you think it's a good deal for the player or not, the fact that you got somebody like uh, a, a universal top five prospect locked up for the next better part of the next half decade or better part of the next decade, uh, that to me alone is probably a win for a white as a White Sox fan. Awesome. Andrew, uh, what do you what do you think? And was it enough? So it was definitely enough to really get me back on board with the process. So obviously last offseason was tough when you really kind of saw them, I guess, for like a better words, just, you know, like kind of kick the can down the road even further than what had been explained to us fans for quite a while. Uh, for a while, it had seemed like 2019 was probably going to be a year where we would expect to win more than 72 games. And I, I think we can all agree that that's kind of how we felt. But there were also flashes where we looked like a pretty competitive ball club, especially towards the end of the year there. So um, I think if you build upon that, it was definitely enough to get me excited. But I think for now, at least they're in a position to really do some even better things next offseason. So we'll have a lot more money to spend still. I mean, we're still about towards the middle of the pack in terms of um, our like uh, committed payroll. So there's still work to be done. And I think next year you can really start to see maybe one of those big fish moves like a Mookie Betts signing happen. Um, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic about that, but um, it's a possibility. So I would say, yes, they did enough to get me excited. Um, is it enough for us to win a championship? as was mentioned by Justin, um, not quite, but it'll, it, it really will depend on a lot of those one ifs as what ifs, as I said earlier, those guy, what do you got? I mean, yeah, I think they did enough this off season to make me happy at least, you know, um, I think that they did real well. I think they came and they answered a lot of, uh, you know, answered a lot of questions that needed to be answered. They added a couple good pitchers to our rotation, um, not world beaters by any means necessary, but good pitchers. Uh, they tried to get in on the Zach well, reportedly. I don't know because I wasn't there personally, but reportedly tried to get in on Zach Wheeler. But he opted to stay towards the East Coast because if mom ain't happy, then ain't nobody happy. If you're married, you know that. So you have to kind of roll with the punches there. Um, you know, they go and get a guy like Yaz, who's going to be fantastic, I think, for us and for our young pitchers as well. Um, you know, Edward and Carcione. I mean, it shows you that they want to uh, they want to compete. You, mo- you almost botched his name worse than I've ever botched a name before in my entire podcasting career, Buzz. You said almost. I did not. Almost, almost. I've I've really botched I've been the names drink- before. I've been I've been drinking. So I mean, I, it wouldn't I am- be socks on tap if you weren't, buddy. Right, exactly. So you know, it's it, it. I didn't botch it though. I saved it. But you know, they wouldn't have brought him in. Uh, I, I feel like if they didn't think they were going to compete, and then there was a, you had a follow up to that too. That's not written down. What was the follow up? I mean, I've been drinking too. I already forgot. <laughs> Is it was it be happy about it or something like that? Or am I happy about it? Or was it? Is it enough for us to? Oh, Is it, it enough for White yeah. Sox fans to yeah be reinvested and be happy about? It? I 100% think it's enough, but I mean, again, you get a, and I'm not trying to throw out shitty shots towards anybody, but you get a lot of fans out here be like, oh, you have the money, spend it. Like, my God, dude, if you're poor, like if you're growing up poor like I did, you never tell anybody how to spend their damn money, and that's just stupid. But I mean, Are the White I think Sox they did poor? A, I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't know Jerry personally. I know he's got billions, but, you know, I don't know what he's else he's got to do. Maybe he's got, you know, islands or some shit he's got to do, you know, I don't, I don't know. He's got to take but care I of. Think they, I th- right, I think they did enough. Um, not to win a World Series by any means, but to be competitive, and I think that they're on the track to do so. So that's where I kind of sit with it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this into one specific move that was made this off season, and that was the acquisition of Nomar Mazara. We had some some reactions to this when it actually went down, um, but I think Justin's the perfect guy to answer this question because he follows baseball not only just, you know, in the AL Central, but everywhere uh, with, with starting nine and everything that he does. Uh, Justin, Nomar Mazzara, the Sox acquired him in a trade for Steel Walker. Mazzara's an interesting guy, you know, just uh, 20, I think he's 24 right now, um, hasn't really put everything together yet. Is this a breakout candidate? What do, what do you think of this trade overall? Because I think as White Sox fans, at least from my perspective, we're very underwhelmed. But what can we expect from Nomar Mazzara in 2020? Is, is this is this a is, can he break out? Is he going to be good, or is he just going to I mean, absolutely I guess, suck? I guess he could. 
Um, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that it's on the verge, though, I don't think. Um, it's very rare to see somebody rack up the quantity of playing time that Mazzara has done at this young of an age and be so thoroughly mediocre. Um, the Since 1980, there have been 24 primarily corner outfielders to receive 2,000 plate appearances through age 24. That's including Nomar Mazzara. The only one to post a lower adjusted OPS than him is Jeff Francoeur. And I think that they're not similar hitters necessarily. Obviously, one was righty, one was lefty. We, one had no plate discipline at all, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's instructive in a way because uh, people kept waiting for Jeff Francoeur to deliver on that promise that he had as a prospect. And it never really came right. Uh, he hung around for the better part of a decade, but he was never really a high impact player. Um, and Mazzara came up with that prospect uh, shine as well. We're now three full seasons into his career and he he stagnated, frankly. Like, I think you can you look at his tw- oh, sorry, four, four full seasons. You look at his 2016 and you see 20 homers as a 21-year-old with a 739 OPS, and you say, okay, he kind of kept his head above water, right? But he's basically replicated that season for four years running now uh, in an era where everybody else's, not everybody's, but home runs in general are going up, slugging in general is going up. His is going up, but not really, right? It's kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats thing. I looked it up. Last season, there were 169 players to get at least 450 plate appearances. Mazzara's weighted runs created ranked 131st. And if you looked at if you look at his year-over-year strikeout numbers, his year-over-year walk numbers, um, exit velocity, stuff like that, there's not a lot to suggest they just bought a guy who's on the verge. Um, he's young enough, obviously, where it still could happen. He's entering his age 25 season. But this, to me, strikes me as an example of like the White Sox, and I don't know what it is, but the White Sox coaching staff or player development has to see something in Mazzaro where it's like, Okay, if we flip that switch, if we tweak that, he he unlocks something else because just repeating what's going on here isn't going to result in a breakout. What's the last White Sox player that the uh, the the White Sox player development staff actually well, saw just- something in? And I think that's a debate with in and of its in and of itself is yeah. they, they've notoriously not been good at doing that. Um, so that, that I think that's what's concerning to me, and and some of the stuff that you're bringing up here is. You know, at, at face value, I looked at this move, and I think there's other people who are in this boat, are like, this is the type of move that a rebuilding team makes. And some of the other sure. moves this this offseason that the Sox made, you know, bringing in Edwin Encarnacion, who's an older veteran player, who's primarily going to play some DH, split some time at first base, but is serviceable. He's going to hit a ton of home runs. That's That's a competitive move. Those are the type of finishing moves that a team makes. So it just it, it it felt at least for me, and I don't know about everybody else who's who's on this on the show right now feels about it. It's like a almost polar opposite type of move that you make, right? You bring in Edward Encarnacion, that's a guy that you're gonna you know ride into a playoff run, and then you've got a project like the the pure definition of project in Nomar Mazzara. So that that's that's why I asked this question. Is you know what do we see here? Is he going to break out? And I think your answer is no. I don't know about you, Buzz or, or Andrew, uh, how you guys feel about that move right now after looking at the full picture of the offseason. Yeah, so it was definitely a very different type of move compared to a lot of the other signings that happened this offseason. And I'll take a little bit of what Justin said in that the White Sox player in the White Sox player development must have seen something that they liked. Well, he absolutely crushed us last year. I mean, what, we only faced him three games or so, and he had an OPS of almost 2,000, and he had, like, three home runs, two doubles. Uh, who, who, so, did he, who did he face? Do we know? Was it Dylan Covey? Uh, yeah, so that big, <laughs> Well, I think he faced Covey, maybe a little bit of Raylo. Um, probably yeah, some, like, so, Odrissim or Despagne action in yeah, there. Like... probably. I mean, hey, so not aces by any means, but um, – and especially when you consider the fact that we did trade him for Steel Walker, and they're pretty comparable in age. And what Steel's Steel was in like Double A with us, so he's not even a guarantee to make it to the MLB at all. Um, so, sorry. well, Steel, no, Steel I was just... reached uh, Winston Salem. I don't think he made it up to Birmingham, and he, yeah, uh, so... <laughs> yeah. 
I, I to me it's a, it's a fine move as long as you're viewing him as like maybe uh, the strong side of a platoon or somebody that you you're not giving a ton of rope to. Like I just don't think you can mark him in as a starting caliber corner outfielder on a team with playoff aspirations. Um, and just trot him out there for 600 plate appearances and have that be the only option that you have. And I know right. that's not the only option that they have, but... Um, so, I mean, Daniel Polka's waiting in the winds right now. Yeah. So Maybe he is I their think, only option. I think what this could be, um, you maybe have one year to kind of see what he can do in a platoon-type role, but also it could also give you the chance to see if a guy like Luis Pasabi can really put together a year where he's been healthy and can, you know, even potentially force his way onto the major league roster by the end of the season and to see if there's anything that's worth salvaging there. If not, then I think you really attack um, the market for a corner outfielder next off season where that's very rich. And I think there's plenty of opportunity to improve there. All yeah. right, there are less there are less inspirational people to take a flyer on. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I just kind of sit with this whole thing because when the Mazzara thing happened, when we traded Steel Walker, a lot of people were upset, but Steel Walker couldn't hit lefties in high A. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah. uh, okay, that's fine. I'm not. Yeah, he has a really cool name. Okay, Steel Walker's a badass name. That's cool and tough. But can't hit lefties in single A, high single A. Whatever. Okay, we'll see you later. But. Where I get upset about this whole thing is his patience is virtue when you kind of in the free agency and stuff like that. You're trying to make your moves. You're trying to do things. You're looking at a project piece at 25 years old that's slated to make $5,560,000. That's where he's 5.5 mil this year for Nomar Mazzara, right? You got a guy waiting in the wings here and you see Puig that wants reportedly $5 million, Okay. And, like, people will be like, oh, well, you know, he's a head case and everything like that. Well, you could just take two of Nomar Mazar's four seasons in the major leagues at his .7 F4, and you can combine both of them to make what Puig did last year and, and a year that he got traded between Ohio teams. You know, I just – I don't – I never like the move. I, I, don't, I still don't like the move. I'm with you, Justin, that I, I think maybe somebody saw something that they could tweak in his game to make him – a every day right fielder for the squad but i think that they were just really impressed with like what was that bomb that he hit 506 feet i don't know some yeah. crazy astronomical number of of feet that he hit a bomb against us on and the white Sox fell in love with him and then traded for him i you know i don't it, know the one thing i'll say before we move on about the puig thing is that while in theory i think that makes some sense puig actually does not have the platoon splits that you would expect for somebody that you'd want to pair with Mazzara. So oh, like, unless, yeah, so he's like, whether that continues or not, I, I'm not smart enough to say, but like, he's actually been better against righties in his career. Um, so unfortunately, like that doesn't really protect Mazzara against the lefties. I don't know. I, I think Puig would probably be a benefit for this roster anyway, but I'm not sure that that's the sort of guy you inject into a team this late in the mix. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I'd still just do it because, and then I'd, I'd cut Mazzara because I don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> we we all know your feelings. Uh, I want to I want to shift the focus here to two other young guys um, right now here while we've got Justin, uh, Nick Madrigal, uh, a top prospect. What do you expect out of him, and will he break camp? And I'm going to make this into a two parter here. What are your expectations for the return of Michael Kopech to the White Sox roster? Two of the top prospects for the Sox right now. Um, Andrew noted some what-ifs. What are your thoughts on uh, the season's upcoming for both of these guys? Well, uh, my expectations are in check. I think it's probably the best way to describe this for reasons that don't have as much to do with the player's talent as other uh, extenuating circumstances for Madrigal. I think the first one is that I don't expect him to break camp with the team. I don't expect him to start the season as the second baseman. Um, I think, listen, a lot could change between now and then, but Han, I think kind of, uh, gave himself away a little bit. He said, he's got a few more things to prove, right? To me, that is, uh, a ominous opening line, uh, for I know he said other things like he expects him to be in the second base mix this year. He could change his mind depending on how spring goes. But if your opening stance is he's got a few more things to prove, that's GM speak for 
we're probably going to hold him down for a little bit, right? Um, I think that's probably how I see that playing out. However, I think he's ultimately the White Sox best option there. Um, so I think for a team that sees itself as an actual winner, uh, that is trying to win baseball games, if he overwhelms in spring training, I think there's a chance he starts the year. But if I had to bet, I would say not. Um, he showed himself very well. I think generally, uh, last season, uh, I know he only got a little over a hundred plate appearances at triple a, but, uh, to slash three thirty one, three ninety eight, four twenty four at triple a, even in kind of an, a juiced triple a offensive environment. Um, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. And, um, I think there are other options. There are, I am going to currently describe them as uninspiring. Okay. Um, so I don't think that the bar is too high for him to get over for Copic. Um, I am, listen, I'm not a fan, so I don't have any emotional and a fan of the White Sox. Um, I don't have any emotional investment in this, but I'm going in with almost no expectations for him this year. And anything that he provides, um, I'm going to view as like fucking great, like the most electric arm, whatever you can debate him and Julio Lito, but like the most electric arm that we have in the system is like ready to fucking go. Right. Um, I guess you could debate him with several other people in the system as well. But point being, uh, one of the guys who has been most hyped about this white Sox renaissance, right. Is back on the field. Um, but, but I think they've structured the roster and the pitching staff in such a way where they don't need Michael Kopik, or they're not going to force their hand. I mean, you've got Giolito and, and Keuchel, Ronaldo Lopez, Gio Gonzalez, and Cease, right? So you've got five guys who are either A, more established, or B, much healthier than Michael Kopik has been of late. So that's my expectation. I think 2021 is really the year where Michael Kopik is somebody that I'm expecting a lot from. But if you told me that he was pitching small quantities of high impact innings in the second half this year for a White Sox contender in whatever role that might be, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Awesome, Justin. I love that. And there is one name that you brought up in there, and that's Lucas Giolito. Um, whether or not we debate what the most electric arm is, uh, what are your expectations for him this year? Can he repeat what he did in 2019? Because that was for a stretch there, some absolutely impressive baseball that he was he was playing and he was just he was one of the best pitchers in the AL for for a very I don't know it wasn't a long time but it was it a was decent amount of time span, yeah, it was about a two, yeah. two month span he was, was about he was two one, span yeah he was one of the he was one of the best for for two months right there can he repeat the success that he had in 2019 I think people look at a guy who almost cut his ERA in half in, and say uh, there's regression coming but I don't think that's a good example of this here. Um, I think you almost have to throw out to a degree what happened with Lucas Giolito prior to 2019. Uh, this was a guy who found what he was supposed to be. And uh, all of the projections that are available publicly suggest that uh, he's right in line to repeat what he did last year, maybe with a small increase uh, in ERA. Like if you told me Giolito's ERA was more like 3.8, or three seven five next year instead of three four one. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think you're still going to get the strikeouts. I think you're going to get the innings. I think you're going to get like most of the the quantity. If you told me you got ninety percent of the quality, um, that wouldn't be totally surprising. But I also don't think it would really do anything to diminish what he is, which is, you know, the ace of this staff and one of the, I mean, what, eight to ten best pitchers in the AL conservatively. Um, so that that's what I expect from him. Um, maybe it's not exactly what 2019 was. I don't I don't think he's going to get a lot better than what we saw. Maybe he maybe he turns into a guy who gives you 200 innings uh, instead of 176 and two thirds. But uh, if he could build on last year's quantity with the same level of quality, I think that would be a good year. And I think that's something like what we're going to see. Awesome. Uh, this one's going to go off script a little bit. Uh, is is Michael Kopech? in line in your mind right now going to take over that ace role from Lucas Giolito at some point, or is Lucas Giolito the clear cut ace through the White Sox competitive you, seasons? I think you have to right now, the much, much safer bet is that Lucas Giolito is their best pitcher. Um, he's the one who has delivered an ace level season uh, at the major league level period, right? Like we just saw it 
it happened. Michael Kopech has never, ever done that. And that doesn't mean that he cannot. Um, but when it comes to pitching, like to me, I'm more inclined to to take like the guy who has already done it. Like with Kopech, you're not looking at a guy with a robust history of logging tons and tons of innings. Right. And I know that's just kind of how minor league pitchers are treated to a degree now. But um, I think if you told me that you view Michael Kopech as having the higher upside uh, than Lucas Giolito, I would agree. But I also think the much safer bet in terms of who's going to be the best pitcher over the next three to five years for the White Sox is Giolito for sure. Awesome. Justin, I've got a few more for you here before we let you go. Uh, and I want to I want to flip the flip it right here real quick. Uh, James McCann last year yeah. was a pickup for the White Sox, and he is somewhat credited with the turnaround for Lucas Giolito, who we were just talking about. Um, and he kind of became the personal catcher for him. Now the Sox made a uh, a big signing. I think their biggest of the offseason, at least in mm-hmm. my opinion, in Yasmani Grandal. Now he's going to expect to take most of the lion's share of plate appearances for the White Sox in the catcher position. If you're looking at these guys right now, does James McCann remain Lucas Giolito's catcher? Or do you expect there to be at least 50%, if not more, starts for Yasmani Grandal behind the plate with Lucas Giolito? And how much importance do you put behind the relationship that James McCann and Lucas Giolito built in 2019? So I think the the obvious path here for the White Sox coaching staff is to um, allow McCann and Giolito to remain linked up to start the season. And then I think you just go from there. Um, why does that work? Uh, a, you are probably already planning on cycling James McCann behind the plate once or twice a week anyway, right? So to give Grandal rest and because, listen, uh, James McCann is, I don't think, a great player, but he was an all-star last year. And in terms of clubhouse maintenance and treating human beings and stuff like that, you probably don't want to just totally shutter a guy who was a good story for you last year, right? Okay. So I think keeping those two linked up makes a lot of sense. And listen, if the first, if Giolito's first eight starts are a fucking disaster or their or his ERA's four seven five, then you have something to point at and be like, maybe connect what was going on here we're going to put our franchise catcher with our franchise pitcher and we're going to move forward that way but at least you gave it a shot right um to me james mccann is like i what was really encouraging to me about the white Sox offseason is that they didn't look at james mccann and say we don't need to improve that position right they went out and they got one of the best available free agents at a you could argue credibly the best catcher in, ba- in baseball currently right And they said, we're going to make that a strength instead of relying on a guy who was very unlikely to repeat what he did last season. Um, From July 3rd on, and I know you guys know this, but James McCann slashed 226, 277, 403 with 79 strikeouts and 12 walks and 243 plate appearances. Like he was not the same guy in the second half last year and counting on him to be anywhere near what he was last year, I think was a mistake. I think he still fits with the picture because he can fit as part of a platoon. He had an 864 OPS against lefties last year. I think he still works on this team. You spot him at catcher. You spot him at DH a little bit. Um, And I think if you're getting James McCann 300 plate appearances this year, that's appropriate. Andrew, uh, I know I wrote an article uh, last year about James McCann is fooling you. Um, You did some work on James McCann yourself. Uh, thoughts on that? I'd, I'd just like to go to you real quick here. Any quick thoughts on, on what Justin had to say? Yes, those are all great points. You know, you obviously have to appreciate one of the lone bright spots on, you know, a team that won 72 games last year. Um, you know, he was great in the first half. And I think the stats that Justin ran off there, uh, you know, it's more in line with what he's done his whole career. So I think it's more likely that you're going to see that than what we saw in the first half. And, um, you know, it was great that we went after Grandal, but um, as was mentioned, you don't want to completely shut her out. A a guy like James McCann, I think he does a lot of great for this team. Um, And But I think more of that comes from his overall presence than what he brings on the field, Um, especially if 
you're having Lucas Giolito pitch in a big game, you know, potentially on short rest. If you're really fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year, uh, you're going to want to go all guns blazing and have your best lineup out there. And James McCann in place of Yasmani Grandal, um, that's just quite simply not your best lineup. That's not your best chance to put up runs, especially with how well he gets on base. And quite frankly, I would like to put him in, you know, anywhere from one to five in that White Sox lineup and pretty much just leave it there in Sharpie. I want him in that spot um, pretty consistently every game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously he was great for us last year and in flashes, but um, I think taking a more realistic approach, I think obviously you want to give more than the bulk of the appearances behind the plate to Yasmani Grandal. One of the best catchers in the game. Buzz, any th- any quick thoughts? Um, just going back to the article that you said you re- <laughs> that you wrote last year, James McCann is fooling you. You weren't wrong. People in the first half of the season love to come at you and tell you that you were oh, wrong. Oh, dude, but I, I took tons of fucking heat for that. Tons of heat. But look what he did in the second half. This is just something that we've been talking about. And, you know, you, you put the best product that you possibly can out there. You put the best players that you possibly can out there. And... Uh, I, I honestly don't think that McCann was the reason for Lucas Giolito's uh, emergence as a possible ace on a contending team or just on our squad in general. And then I go back to Kins. If you know, if we're in a in a spot where it's tight, you need to have the best roster there, and it'd be weak and lame if we would have James McCann over Yasmani Grandal in any circumstance. Uh, I do feel like you know he's a good clubhouse guy. I feel like you know. We heard a lot about that last year, and I'm not going to dispute that, but, you know, he's a good backup, and that's what we'll leave it as. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, assuming right now that uh, Lucas Giolito is the opening day starter for the White Sox, who do you go with at DH? Is it Grandal? Is it Encarnacion? You know, what are you going to do here? Uh, I saw a, a few people running some opening day lineup projections for this team, and it has Grandal on the bench, and some of them have... <laughs> And Carnacion on the bench just because Lucas Giolito is the starter. And people don't know what to do with this. So that's that, that's that, why I asked this question is who's D, who's DHing right now? And, you know, like you, we brought up a lot of good things here. What's the best lineup? You're going to win a game. It's Grandal. It's not McCann. Um, I think everybody oh, yeah. on this call knows that right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be a topic for debate for the White Sox all season. Justin, I got one more for you before we let you go. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing that we have we have witnessed as White Sox fans um, with some of these prospects who get called up, uh, I'm just going to name off a few: uh, Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, uh, even Lucas Giolito last uh, two years ago with with his first stint. Uh, Dylan Cease uh, struggling in the first two innings for the White Sox. We're going to see a guy in this White Sox lineup. Um, starting the season after the extension that he just signed, and that's Luis Robert. And, uh, Buzz, I'll let you roll the R. Robert. Robert. Uh, Justin, I want you to roll the R for Luis Robert. Um, That's my only ask for you as the guest because we roll the Luis Robert R uh, right there. Um, What are your expectations for him? Is he going to be the first White Sox prospect of this White Sox renaissance, as you kind of called it earlier, uh, to actually come in and hit the ground running? We've seen a lot of struggles for these guys. I I really think that uh, this might be the first one. I'm hoping you're going to tell me that it is, but if you tell me that if you tell me that it's not, I I will actually fully believe you that there might be some struggles that this guy faces. What are your expectations for him right out of the gate, Robert? There it right. is. <laughs> okay, um, I am so obviously everything about him is very exciting. The tools package is very exciting. Uh, I'm very excited that he's going to start the season with the club, presumably. I am a little bit not nervous. I'm interested to see how that strikeout-to-walk profile plays at the major league level um, a little bit. I, I, I'm not sure that he's a guy, to me, who doesn't require any adjustment, period. Like, to me, if, 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 he was, if Robert was going through a period in, say, <laughs> I don't know, early May, early to mid-May, where he was uh, striking out, 40% of his plate appearances, 38% of his plate appearances, that would not totally surprise me. I think the talent will... And again, 
drawing walks because it's not challenging. They want to put the ball in play. Like I get there are other factors here. 128 strikeouts, 129 strikeouts to 28 walks, including 55 to 11 at AAA. Um, I think it's more so the Zips projection system on uh, which Dan Zimborski created. They had one comparable as Adam Jones, which I found very interesting, comparable at that age as Adam Jones. Uh, and they have him slashing 265, 309, 455, which uh, I think would be underwhelming to White Sox fans, but probably not totally discouraging, um, given that that's definitely keeping your head above water at his age um, at the major league level. We're talking about a very young guy. Uh, but I, I do, I'm very curious to see how that, that kind of swing aggressiveness profile plays. I don't know that he's a guy who's going to immediately click. Like to me, he's not like Wander Franco is a guy where in terms of top prospects where you look at a guy and be like, you know, that guy has more fucking walks than strikeouts at 19 years old or 18 right. years old at high A, right? Like that to me is like, okay, that feels like a guy who's closer to a finished product. 32 homers, 36 stolen bases. That part is intriguing. But the plate discipline thing is I'm very curious to see how this goes. I really am. Ugh, I'd love to pick your brain on Zach Collins for like five minutes. <laughs> you know, like, oh. you know, oh. I'm not, I'm no not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Justin. We, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, I was going to say, I might be more prepared to talk about the Blazers power forward, Zach Collins, than I am about the White Sox, <laughs> Zach Collins at the moment. So I was about to say that. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're, we're squarely in NBA season. So that's, that's, you said Zach Collins. I was like, yeah, you know, that shoulder injury he has been out for a little while. I don't know what his trade value is. Well, I, I could I could hook you up with uh, with Buzz right here on uh, on Bulls on Tap, and uh, you yeah. guys can oh, you guys can go talk some basketball. Um, Justin, I don't have nearly as many nice things to say about the Bulls as I do about the White Sox right now, though. Oh, believe me, neither do I, buddy. And this would be <laughs> a shared. case of beer. This would be a case of beer and a toaster jacuzzi of an episode. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, well, if I you think... guys ever get way down your guest list and need somebody to fill time, feel free to hit me up. You're um... on top of it now. If you're going to bitch about <laughs> the front office with me, then you know what, dude? You're number uno. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> I think I just booked a guest for Bulls on Tap, so check that out there when you go. get the chance. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for coming on, man. Is, is, there any closing, is there any closing thoughts that you have? If, if you're going to address the White Sox fan base, because that's, that's who we're talking to right now, yep. um, just you know, close it out with like, What's, what's your end of offseason address as we're going into spring training for, for White Sox fans in general? Patience is what I'm preaching uh, at the moment because uh, I remember talking to you. I don't remember when in the offseason we did it, but I do remember talking on this podcast last year. That was, uh, about, that was Shy Sox Weekly, and you talked about oh, Yon Moncada. Different, right. different that, show, that same right. network, but yes, we, we did chat last uh, offseason. We, we talked about Moncada coming off kind of like a – like what were our expectations for him? And, you know, people were already starting to get a little anxious. And I think we saw what a little bit of patience did with Mankata's trajectory and where he, he looks moving forward. Um, I would say, take that same sort of attitude towards Eloy, take that same sort of attitude towards Robert, take that same sort of <laughs> attitude towards when you're going to see Kopik on the mound and pitching like you, like we all expected when people rushed to the stadium to see his opener, um, even though the weather was fucking disastrous. Uh, that's kind of my patience with when Madrigal is, is, the, is the everyday second baseman because I think the pieces are there. Uh, I think their future is pretty bright. Um, but a, a lot of these guys are unfinished products. And we've seen that maybe it takes a little bit longer with Mancata. Maybe it took a little longer with Giolito. Um, but a lot of these guys are starting to click, and maybe maybe Eloy is the breakout this year. It might just not happen until May or June. You never know. Um, but that's kind of my attitude because they're not the favorites, and I think a lot of people are looking at how much money they spent and saying um, they should be winning the the AL Central, and I'm just not so sure that's right. But if they're in the playoff hunt, I think that's that's a step in the right direction given how young their core is. Awesome, Justin. I hope you roll every Luis Robert. R. I think I might be obligated. Yeah, moving forward. For moving forward, yes. I, I think if we can make that into like a national thing, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'm not going to expect you to, to to help us along in that in that journey, but uh, we 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 absolutely love that you uh, you played to our shtick here 
Um, so oh, thank of course, you. anytime. And thank you for coming on, Justin. Uh, guys, uh, we're going to be back after Justin uh, signs off here. We're going to close out this episode of Socks on Tap Sunday Funday. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. My pleasure, guys. I appreciate right. your time, Take Justin. care, brother. Thank you. And that was Justin Havens on Socks on Tap. Guys, it was awesome to get a national perspective of the White Sox offseason. We heard a lot about what he expects from this White Sox team this year. Justin's a good friend of mine. Uh, Loved having him on. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, But let's get into a few things, uh, just some some quick reactions from him. Um, You know, I think he said, what was it, 87 wins for this White Sox team. And he also brought up that, you know, preach some patience with this team. And I know myself right now, I'm not a patient guy. I know Johnny's not a patient guy, but I'm going to turn it over to both of you. Buzz, you're more of an optimistic kind of fellow. Um, you know, you, you're you probably more patient than both of us. Um, and I don't know about Andrew too much here. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what he has to say. But uh, that, that kind of broke my heart just a little bit when he said, you know, preach some patience with this because it might take some more time. I, I want to win now. I, w- I want this team to be good now. Uh, what, are you, what are your guys' thoughts? I'll, I'll turn it to Buzz first. Uh, yeah, so, like, no, I'm not a patient guy. If you're going, you know, 70 in the left lane and I'm going 90, get the hell out of my way. I'm not patient about it. I want to win. I'm with you. I want to win now. I think it would be great to win now, but where I understand where he's coming from is, you know, patience because it's a lot of young players that are trying to figure it out still, right? So if, like, they come up and they don't produce right away, don't be so quick to throw that stone or to crucify him like Yoan Mankata, how everybody called him. What was that nickname, Kins? Bus Kata, right? That people were calling him on Twitter. Right. That, shit's, that shit's ignorant, you know? Like, look what he did last year. So, like, I understand in that sense to be patient. But honestly, like, when we even had Justin on the interview and the call with us, I think that we were all pretty okay with the, you said 82 to 85, Kins, if I'm not mistaken. 83 to 85, yep. Yeah, 83 to 85. I had said, what, 85 to 88 or something like that, 85 to 87, somewhere in there. And, Tony, you were right in the 87 win thing. I think that our expectations are right on par with what his were. And, I mean, I don't think any of us thought we were going to win a World Series this year. So I don't know why we would be upset at all. I think that we're going to be a wild card. I honestly think the Sox are there, just like he did. He he said he'd be surprised if he didn't see them fight for one of the two uh, wild card spots. And as a Sox fan, I can't be happier than that because we're on the way and we're still young and there's still time to make more moves. So I'm, I'm cool with it, except sign Puig right now. That's, that, that's it, though. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Yeah, so, no, yeah, so I do kind of agree with all that there. So uh, one of the big, absolutely, like, one of the big takeaways from our, like, conversation with him was the fact that, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of patience involved. So that was one of the points I was going to bring up on my own, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is still going to take a little bit of patience here. And as a fan base, especially on the depths of Twitter, uh, you see a lot of people still kind of continue to be negative just because people have been at their wits end about just the product that has continuously been out here on the field for the Sox. I mean, what, we haven't made the playoffs since 08. And, you know it's really shown in just the overall frustration. So I think it's going to be hard with all of this excitement for our fan base to continue to stay patient. And especially, I mean, shit, if we come out and have like a 22 and eight start or just really come out of the gates, guns blazing, really, really doing well, it's going to be hard to kind of tear those expectations back to, okay, yeah, we're in the middle of April and May we're in first place in the central, but it's a 162 game season. Um, it'll be hard to regress those expectations back to more of a wild card team. If that, um, if we really do start out hot, which I think is a possibility, um, and really begin to take some people by surprise. So think about excitement, how you just brought up with the record, like say you like we're in first place, right? But think about how you and I, when we did our sock, our, because we did a couple socks on taps together last year. 
Think about how excited we were, Kins or Tony, when we were 40 and 42 at one point. Oh, man, Think yeah. Think of that no. excitement there. That I agree. We were 40 and 42. So, like, this year we think we're going to be better. So that means you're building towards something greater than what you were. Like, that's what I'm, I'm fucking down about that. Man. Hey, like, forward, right. forward progress, man. Forward progress. Let's, let's look right. at this. And, you know, it's, that's kind of something that I've been on all year, like all offseason, not all year, all offseason, is that, like, they've taken some steps. And, yeah, we talked to Justin. He kind of tempered some expectations. I think that's okay. I, re- I really do. I think that's okay because right now you want to think about what they've done and you want to get excited about it. Do it. Do it. Get excited because I think from, from a Sox on Tap perspective and, and the overall tone of this show – this offseason has been very surprised. Like, hey, we've actually made some moves. Um, Beeflo from the 108 has actually said, you know, some stuff on Twitter too. Like, hey, like we're still below, you know, league average payroll. We're not, we're not there yet. We're not, we're not, we haven't taken all these. But then you go and look at what we've got on this roster right now versus what we could be. And it's leaps and bounds better. So there, there's so much reason to be excited. It's okay to be excited about it, but it, I don't want to, and I, I'm going to say it right now, when we get into September and we're like, you know, four or five games out of the playoff season or out of the playoff picture, I'm still going to be frustrated. I'm still going to be mad. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be angry about it because I want them to win every single game that they fucking play. But 162 and 0, baby. <laughs> yeah, 162 and 0, and you won't hear any complaints. Um, no, the, the, you know, it's, 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 let's look at this and just be appreciative of what they have done, but also realize that there is another step that they have to take and i think that that's fair that's a fair assessment of of where we're at right now you're not wrong dude you're you're totally not wrong and i love that you you say that like you're we're not done yet and i think that's totally fair but like i said i'm just kind of going off the questions that we asked i think that people should be excited and i'm totally excited and i think that we're going to be competitive and and what's what's worst case scenario here okay besides injuries fucking knock on wood you know what i mean but like besides that, like what's what's worst case here that like we are in that eighty three to eighty five win thing? I mean, do we can over exceed too? And people aren't talking about that. What if Luis Robert just hits on like I'm sorry, what an asshole. Luis Robert, I'm sorry, hits on all cylinders and just goes absolutely insane, or they bring up Nikki Lasers and this kid isn't what we think he's Nikki gonna lasers. be. Whoops. Hey, that's a shout-out to King Mac. If we didn't do our shout-out yet, but that's a shout-out to King Mac. That dude loves that kid. He told me he'd rather have him than Ozzy Albies. I don't agree with that, but hey, man, you, you, ride, you ride your opinion to the max. That's, I'm cool with that. But I'm just saying, like, what if these things do pan out or what you brought up earlier, Tone? Like, what if Kopech is just a beast and, like, everything goes right? Holy shit, man. Then we might actually have a contender on our team. You know, if... There's always that chance of over-exceeding just like there is under-exceeding, right? So yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot right. of things to be excited, excited and about. It feels like we've had a lot of under-achieving as of late. You know, we haven't quite had the record to show for the overall progress that we've made. Um, and, you know, I think it's about time that things regress to the mean a little bit. I think it's about time that a guy like, you know, like Luis Robert, which... I'm not even going to try to roll the R because I'll sound like a complete dipshit for lack of better words. <laughs> uh, I just can't do that. Um, you know, Come on, it's, one it's, time. Was, just one time. Yeah, do it. Do all save it for Loppy. Ooh, saving it for Loppy. I'm still going to record it. I, I love yeah. that, though. He He's saving it to draw more people out. If you want to hear Kinsler roll his R, you got to come to Loppy. There, Come on, stop by Loppy, and uh, you'll be you'll be thoroughly disappointing because it's not going to be anything <laughs> special. It's going to be just be awful, uh, quite literally terrible. But yeah, if you see a guy like Luis Robert, um, oh, you know, teased it, overperform. Uh, you know, it's, he just put the head. He in. got me so excited. <laughs> he just put. Are the you head excited in. for Lot B? Aren't you excited I'm, for the season yeah, to just start? I, I wish I'm it was more, right I now. I think I'm more excited right you, now to hear you roll an R. <laughs> Well, that goes right in line with, you know, the season starting. So, you know, right as we said that we're going to be patient and, you know, things are going to be good. Now we're all back to being excited, which uh, which will probably how things will be with me if, you know, we're at right right, right around 500. Um, I think I could easily talk myself into, oh, we're just a winning streak away from, you know, being right in contention again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to be waves with this year, I, I'll say. All right, let's get into the shout-outs, Buzz. You kind of tossed it out there right there. We're going to close the show out with uh, a segment that Johnny brought us last week, Socks on Tap shout-outs. 
Andrew, you're first. I'm going to go buzz, and then uh, I will close it with my shout-out for the week. Uh, Andrew, turning it to you. So I would like my Twitter shout-out to be to at Hennessy underscore of. Um, his name is I Broke the Anthony Rendon News. So he's, he's very... <laughs> He's very under the radar on White Sox Twitter. Uh, I would argue he's a pretty up and coming guy. I think you should all give him a follow. Um, his, you know, like content's somewhat rare, but when it does come, you're really glad to see it. Uh, you know, he only has a, 110 followers, but um, he's actually a, a good friend of mine back from my days at IU. So um, he's a he's he's a big White Sox fan. He's a big Hoosier as well. Um, and if you look at his pinned tweet. Um, he actually did break the Anthony Rendon news. Um, so he, tw- so the screenshot shows that he tweeted it from at that point in time four minutes ago with the exact years and the exact exact like dollar amount. And then shortly following him is the likes of Jeff Passan and John Heyman all in the same screen grab. So technically, he did break the Anthony Rendon news. And when that all came out. Um, you can go back on my Twitter. I was all in support of it. We were trying to get the, um, I think it was like hashtag give Hennessy credit or something like that. So um, I'll give a shout out to him, um, especially due to the fact that um, he also has a special little crush on another member of White Sox Twitter. So um, I think he's trying to take that special someone to a White Sox game this year. Um, I don't know how many times he's going to tweet at her. Um, so, I don't know. It's just a pretty funny thing that he's kind of had going on. And, um, you know, hopefully by the end of the season, he gets his date. Dude sounds thirsty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Buzz. What do you got? Uh, All right. I'm going to shout out King Mac. Um, I always shout out Jordan Miller, too, because I love Jordan Miller. I I really do. I know I shouted him out last week, but I'm doing it again. But uh, I'm going to shout out King Mac this week just because him and I had an exchange. I don't know if he listens to the show or not. He should. If he doesn't, that's weak and lame. But I'm going to shout him out uh, just because, like, that dude, like, I, I love people that believe in something. And um, he totally believes in Nick Madrigal, like, to the point where it's like it makes Zoe look like Zoe doesn't completely believe in Nick Madrigal. And, Tony, you know Zoe. You know how much he believes in him. So this guy's at King Mac. That is uh, King, M-A-C, 1129, at King Mac on Twitter. Uh He's just a huge White Sox fan. He's kind of a new, like, a guy that's kind of popped up on White Sox Twitter. He's a huge Nikki Lasers fan. He's actually made a T-shirt here. It's pretty dope. Oh. Pretty hey, the cool. the Hawks just scored, so I'm Yes, dead. they did. Was that Sodfather? Mm-hmm. 752, I think, Mark. I think so. write that down. Um, yep. Ron Luce yeah, is so very I'm, happy. I, I'm, a, I'm a King Mac supporter. I like him a lot. And, uh, yeah, so that's who I would shout out this week, man. I'm going to go with a guy that works for On Tap. Uh, with my shout out and that's can you do that i can i there's no I, rules I here there's, there's no can, rules i can and i will i can and i will i'm going with pat <laughs> kamiski that's for my follow. for my shout out this 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 week uh on sunday funday pat, a disclaimer on that though what's the disclaimer <laughs> for pat kamiski if you want if you want negativity and and uh black coffee this is where you go. Well, <laughs> you know, Pat, Pat Comiskey is our guy, and right? And Zoe like, Chanel. You know, oh, I like, love, I love him. You know, Pat, I love Pat, him. Pat's awesome. I love Pat, but I'm, I'm shouting out Pat Comiskey because all week, um, Johnny and I, we, we hit Bulldog on, on Tuesday, uh, and we were having some beers. And I think it was Monday. I tagged him in something. It was like a beer that I was having at lunch at one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and he was like, you know, I'd love to be drinking beers at, at one in the afternoon. And then I've had a beer at one in the afternoon almost every day this week. And I've tagged Pat in it since then. Crack him. Crack him. You got to crack him. You have to. And, and Pat doesn't get to drink beers at one in the afternoon because he's got his thing called work. Um, but you know, like I, I, I've given Pat a lot of shit this, this week and he's, he's put up with the, the tagging, uh, him in the photos of my beer all week. And I just want Pat to know, like, I'm not stopping this. This is going to continue for like weeks on end, <laughs> months on end, years on end. This is war. <laughs> I'm going Crack to tag... stack him and watch your family attack him. Yes. I'm going, to, <laughs> I am going to tag Pat Kamiski in every lunch beer that I drink from now on. And I just want to shout him out for putting up with that because it's not going to stop. It's going to continue. I love it. 
So I Pat, I, I appreciate you. He tagged me in his his one o'clock beer today. Today is Saturday. I know this is the Sunday fun day episode, but it's Saturday that we're recording this. Um, with the Super Bowl tomorrow, we had we had to make some some concessions and do it on Saturday. But Pat, I'm going to tag you in every single one o'clock beer that I drink during the weekday. That's for between Monday and life. Friday for the rest of my life. And I'm going to shout Pat out right now because he's going to have to put up with looking at pictures of my beer every day from here on out, at least five times a week. Uh, Pat, Pat's awesome. If you don't follow Pat, I believe it's at Comiskey 22. Go follow him. He's got tons of stuff for on tap sports net. He does Hawks. He does socks. He does bears. He's, he's just all over the place. Some of his articles are the best. Um, he called out the, uh, the, the hats that new era released this week. Uh, buzz, you did a co article with him. Um, Pat, Pat is the guy that you go to if you need somebody to get off your lawn, you know, like if, if you want somebody <laughs> sitting on your front porch to tell the kid to get off your lawn, it's Pat Comiskey. Love Pat Comiskey. Pat, that's my shout out for this week. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. So, everybody, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at ontapsportsnet, following the show in specific at Socks on Tap, and then following our winner shows at Four Feathers Pod, at Bulls on Tap. And, uh, yeah, man, this is a, a Saturday night, but airing for Sunday Fun Day with Kins, Tony, and myself. We, Thank God we recorded tonight so we can watch the Super Bowl tomorrow. You know I got to do a Bulls on tap tomorrow because the Bulls play at 2 o'clock. Ridiculous. No one should be playing on Super Bowl Sunday. But that's about all I got. You guys have anything else to lead out? White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Chiefs minus one. Will there be a horse collar tackle? Yes. For plus 860. White Sox forever. (laughs)